This is Denver Gazette Sports Podcast, and we are back from a little hiatus after the Nuggets winning the NBA title. Today, we got a two-parter, as I am joined by Kyle Fredrickson to break down the Avs trades and free agency and the draft. And then I am joined by Vinny Benedetto to break down Nuggets free agency, NBA trades, and all things basketball. Stay tuned. All right, we're back on the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast after a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, we all soaked in the Denver Nuggets win, but uh, we're going to talk NBA later in this podcast. But first, we're going to start with some NHL and some Colorado Avalanche. So I'm joined by Kyle Fredrickson. Kyle, are you uh, the offseason for the Avs has been, I think, busier than we expected. The, the past few days, I was hoping to be like going to the park, hanging out. Nah, man, it's, it's headline after headline. And, you know, good for the Avalanche. I, I sort of view their action before the draft uh, is their confidence in knowing what direction they're going into. And we can get into that more, but this could be a team that could sit back and say, Hey, you know, we, we got a lot of players we like already, but instead McFarland's been aggressive. And for that, you know, I give him kudos. So, yeah. So the Yaz have made three trades in the last week. Uh, the draft also was this week and then NHL free agency opens uh, Saturday at 10 AM our time. But let's talk trades first. Cause those are the names that people know. Um, First trade was for Ryan Johansson of the Predators. Uh, they traded – I can never say that guy's name. They traded for – Galchenyuk. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in uh, an ability – in a uh, a move that can help maybe sure up the second-line center. Uh, Johansson, vet, people know his name. Been hurt off and on. Um, but what do you see from that trade? Yeah, to me, it makes a lot of sense just because it's potentially high reward – and very low risk for the Avalanche. I mean, they gave up a player in Galchenyuk who essentially was a, a an Avalanche rehab project. He had been bouncing around the league, hadn't really sniffed a, an NHL roster in some time, and really spent most of his time with the AHL Eagles when he was even part of this team. So you're giving up a, an older veteran player for another vet, but this is a guy who's been around and has been a contributor uh, for a long time. And, you know, there's no confusion here i think as well in terms of the messaging from the abs uh you know we did get a statement from mcfarland after that trade was made and he called him a top six forward right and and, and if yeah. you're going to call this guy top six he plays center that's the position you need to fill with jt comper uh pretty much all but guaranteed to leave the team at this point in free agency uh you know the abs seem to have found their guy early in this process and even if it doesn't pan out and someone else has to fill that spot, he drops to the third seed position. Uh, you know, I don't imagine him being on the fourth line, uh, but the Avs feel like, uh, you know, they have enough depth and, and other guys that they brought in that we'll talk about as well to fill that spot. And they didn't give up much, if anything at all, for Johansson to get him. So, you know, he is coming off of a surgery. Uh, I think he got his leg cut by a skate blade uh, with the Predators that knocked him out for for the final few months of the year. Um, so he's going to have to prove he's back and healthy from that. But here's a guy who's proven in his career that he can be a 20 goal scorer. And man, if the abs can get that out of their second center position, it, it really elevates this team back to a spot to similar where, uh, you know, Nazem Kadri was holding down that role uh, and they really had all four lines rolling. And, you know, the we, we talked about this when the abs season ended with that uh, seven game series of the Kraken that, you know, they were first liner bust a lot of times. And, Johansson has playoff experience, you know, that second line center. I, I guess Evan Rodriguez could still come back and play, but, um, you know, I think they noticed that 
they were hurting in the playoffs. Like this team, I I don't know how they won the Central. I totally don't yeah. know. It's it's a miracle that they did, but they realized that they were not as deep as that cup winning team. Right. And they were also weak up the middle, right? I think when you look at the trades that this team made, you bring in Ryan Johansson and then you bring in Ross Colton, um, you know, who's a pick that the Avalanche acquired off of the Alex Newhook trade, which we'll get into in a little bit. But bringing in Johansson and Colton into this lineup, I mean, that is a clear upgrade for me for the Avalanche in terms of their centermen from a year ago. Uh, even with Newhook and Comfer playing key roles on their cup run, you know, that these are players who have better pedigrees, who are more physical players as well, uh, and really have given the Avalanche, I think, on paper, more grit next season. And, and when you're trying to fight and claw your way back to win a cup title, uh, you need those centers who are true two-way players uh, and who are really going to be physical uh, against their opponents. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, on paper, like I mentioned, two great moves by the Avs to address needs where they didn't wait till the draft or wait until free agency to make it happen. So let's talk Alex Newhook before we jump into Colton, because it's kind of a, a path that we go on. Um, So, you know, Newhook, you know, rising. I mean, he had good, he was a prospect. He was a rising prospect for them. Yep. Uh, they expected a lot of him last year. Yep. Uh, he had some moments during the cup run as well. Um, I know did he play in it. He played a lot of the playoff games and during the cup he run. Did, he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he, I just don't think he ever blossomed into what the Avs wanted. They trade him to Montreal for some draft picks and a defenseman that I cannot remember the name off the top of my head. Uh, Gianni Fairbrother, a good yes, name, good names. Who I don't think we'll see much of. I mean, maybe we will. I don't know. Uh, I guess that all shakes out. So, you know, the Avs tried to maximize and, and get some picks back, which they ended up using in another trade, and they made two draft picks. So, when you look back on Alex Newhook, was it just? he never lived up to potential the abs got impatient or the abs just knew they had to make a move yeah to me the timing makes perfect sense alex newhook could end up being a top six forward in this league and a great player he's only 22 years old he was the number 16 overall pick in his draft class there was a reason jared bednar at last training camp basically told reporters, yes, the second center job is Alex Newhook's to lose. We're, we're going to let him really kind of flourish with this because they projected him to be that guy. And when that didn't happen this season and when the bottom fell out in the playoffs, like you mentioned, and when pretty much no one outside that top group could produce and Newhook, you know, pretty much from October on had lost that second center job. It became clear, I think, to the organization that they had a good player who right now is at his max value, right? I mean, look at the haul they got from the Canadians in this trade. To me, it's sort of laughable when you consider the fact that the Avs got Ross Colton for that second round of picks the Canadian gave to, gave the Avs just because he seems like he's an upgrade from Newhook. Um, just the fact that he's more physical, he's got more a little bit more experience. He was great in the Lightning's Cup run a couple of years ago as well. Um, you know, and, and the abs also got a first round pick. So they really got a lot of capital from that trade in a way that they rebuilt their roster down the middle, like I just mentioned, uh, in a way that they couldn't without dealing a player like New Hook. Now, I think some fans might have been more happy to see, you know, Sam Gerard get moved in a deal like this, just because of course. <laughs> he's, you know, he's the punching bag for this team. And maybe he still does. I, I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, among players who I think are still in that gray area of being moved. Uh, Gerard's in that mix. Uh, I think Jared Bednar would like him to be on the roster. He's always been a big Gerard defender. Um, but yeah, this to me, these were moves that 
that made a lot of sense. And yes, Alex Newhook was great to talk to. He was a great teammate. Um, but the Abs knew what they had and they knew what they were trying to build. And, and Newhook didn't develop into the player they wanted. He, he wasn't a stud in the regular season as their second line center. Uh, and he fell flat in the playoffs. I think he had one assist um, over those seven games against the Kraken. So uh, to me, a, a good move. We'll see. You know, uh, we'll keep track of Alex Newhook's career. I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, he should get a pretty promising role, a, a top six role with the Canadians, getting to play closer to home in Canada. So, uh, you know, good good luck to him. Uh, and then, so, yeah, like you said, like one of those second round, that second round pick was shipped off to Tampa to get Colton. Uh, I didn't realize that Colton scored the Stanley Cup winning goal for them. Right, right. Stud. And, then, and a young player. I think that was only his second year in the league when he did that. Yeah. So some more, you know, a good playoff experience guy. Um, what does he slot in the third center then behind Johansson? And I think so. McKinnon? Right. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. I think even as the abs move forward in free agency, you know, the the chatter about Ryan O'Reilly coming over from the from the uh, uh what was it, the the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Um I don't think that's going to happen anymore. It feels to me like the abs figured out who they like in the middle. Maybe they add a wing and we'll talk about that later about some of those free agent targets, but yeah, they, they really did find their guy early in this process. And that should give avalanche fans a lot of faith that the, the team had a plan and they executed it early. That's, that's never a bad thing. So Colton is actually a restricted free agent as well, starting right. July 1st. So, so they will have to get a deal with him. They'll have to get a deal done. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. If you're going to go trade for a guy, you're, you're not just going to let him play on a on an expiring contract. I, I'd expect it to be a, a couple of years and, and you know, nothing that's going to break break the bank for the abs just because they know they got to, you know, make a little bit of more room to, to add one or two more players. Before we jump into free agency in the draft, I read something today about, you know, the Avs in their championship window. Like we have two teams in here that are complete championship windows. And they needed to make a big move. I don't think the Avs need to make a big move. I, I think that these moves they're making around the edges, you know, you hope McKinnon, Rantanen is, is healthy, Lackanen's healthy. You hope whatever's going on with Valentushkin is figured out and he's back. The talent was missing last year. Like I just think that, with those guys back, making moves around the edges is the best bet. It is, it is. And there's the salary cap considerations. It's knowing that, yes, Landeskog is gone this season, but the expectation is he's back next year. So, yeah, you could make a big splash and sign a guy to a long-term contract with a, a big salary number. But then you're going to be hamstrung selling off your players in a couple of years when they're coming up on contract years because you can't afford them. And, and that's where the abs have been smart and basically find teams that have risked the farm a little more that have spent a little more and now are paying the price. Right. So the abs haven't overextended themselves in any trade, really, really going back through their cup run. Right. I mean, getting Lekkanen, getting Kadri, they didn't have to leverage so much that it put them in a bind later on. So I think they'll approach this with the same philosophy. And I do think if they add a player, it'll be a, a guy that has a name in this league that people know and respect and, and maybe is a getting a little older and, and there's something about them that, that makes them a little bit cheaper on the market, but it gives the avalanche potential of having a 20, 30 goal scorer uh, all of a sudden appear on this team, uh, something that they desperately needed from that second line a year ago so yeah to me, a cup chaser smart, yeah right it's, it's smart not to 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 really try to make a big splash to to appease some fans stick to what you know know your identity and, and trust what you have coming back as well so 
I don't know why anyone picks up the phone if Sackick and McFarland call because it seems like they the Avs win every trick. I mean, it's 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 silly at this point because, like I said, it really feels like they're studying other teams' shortcomings and trying to capitalize on them. And and when you're able to do that, that shows your chops as a GM. So you know maybe these guys always don't pan out, but the Abs are always in a position to rebuild the next year because of the, how they handle their business. I, it's funny because you know they traded with Montreal with New Hook, and I think about what you know. I know they tra- Justin Barron was in that trade for Lekkinen, right? Who was a yeah. pretty high prospect for them. Sure, but. They still kind of fleeced them then. Like Lekkinen scored winners all over the place in the playoffs, yeah. and then they signed him to a pretty decent deal. So I don't know why anyone picks up the phone when the Avs call, but it keeps working out for them. So, right, right. All right. So, um, you know, free agency, like I said, starts Saturday at 10 a.m. our time. Who are some names you're looking out for? So I mentioned, like, I kind of hinted at this, you know, guys who the Avalanche could get at not an exorbitant price. But they're guys that we know, you know, Max Pacioretty with the Hurricanes, uh, you know, he's coming off of an injury where he, you know, hardly played at all last year. I think he tore his Achilles in January, but he has six seasons to his name of 30 plus goals scored. He's 34 years old. Um, You know, he's a guy that could easily kind of fill that Landeskog type role with him out next year, uh, including two more guys, Connor Brown with the Washington Capitals. He tore his ACL early last year uh, and really never got things going. Um, he was supposed to be a big addition for the Capitals. The year before in Ottawa, he had 39 points uh, and figures to be a guy who's a hot name on the market. Um, and then just this morning, Blake Wheeler out of Winnipeg uh, announced basically through the team that he's not coming back. They're putting him on waivers. They, they can't afford his contract. So he's another guy who's 36 years old, but he had 16 goals and 39 assists last year. So, you know, those are Kadri-esque numbers that the Avs would love to have on that second line. Um, and all guys that I think the Avs are, are, are going to be targeting. And that being said, give McFarland credit. And also me admitting that I don't know every player across the league all that well. You know, the Ryan Johansson trade came out of nowhere. You know, yeah. you look at like all the mocks of what's going to happen and free agents and, and guys that could get moved. That wasn't on anybody's radar. So I think there's a lot that goes beyond behind the scenes that would surprise us and, and kind of how this stuff comes together. But to me, those are three guys that if Avalanche fans wake up tomorrow, uh, well, hopefully you're up before 10 a.m. But, you know, at some point through this free agent period, if the Avs sign, they should be happy because that's the type of player that I think the Avalanche need right now uh, that would really round out this roster where they feel like, you know, they're validated. Uh, and being real cup contenders. The the Jets are interesting because I had read a lot of stuff. When, when we did a Friday face-off about trading draft picks, I remember, and I saw that they the, the Jets could be blowing it up a little bit. Like, I guess they're heavy on salary. They haven't really done anything with this core. Like, you know, they, they lost to Vegas this year. And right. I think they've lost it. Uh, I can't remember who they lost it before. But, um, you know, I, I wonder if that's something that Diaz will look at. But, you know, th- the big move thing, like, you know, what what's the cap like i don't know how much you can explain the cap situation with the landscog stuff and everything like that i think they have about 15 million in space to deal with i think landscog is about 7 million with him on long term ir they can use and i want to say that the abs are about 8 million under the cap so when you think about that you know you you want to get a big name player but how long is that player going to kind of command a contract, right? If it's Alex DeBrincat or one of these other big name guys, you know, that guy's going to want, you know, three, four years 
and to be kind of in that elite category of, you know, player who's getting paid. The abs already have that, you know, if, if fans want to have another guy in a big contract, it's going to hamstring them to build up the bottom of this roster. And the abs already need one or two guys on entry-level contracts and Alex Newhook to actually compete and, and be that guy for the team. Maybe Ben Myers, uh, yeah. you know, he, he's, he's a guy who I think showed a little bit of fire in the playoffs, at least from among that bottom six. Uh, well, they're going to have to step up. So, yeah, if, if the Avalanche were going to go out of their way to sign a big game, big name guy, I don't think 15 million is enough to really build this roster out in a way that it's truly complete, complete um, being that they already have a lot of guys who are making big money under long term deals. So before we talk draft um, real quick, I'd be, be wrong if I didn't mention Eric Johnson is probably not coming back. Uh, one of the right. longest tenured abs I can ever remember. Um, what did he, what is, is it 12 years? I think, I think he just completed his 13th, 13th. Season, which okay. made him the longest tenured guy. And I think Von Miller was ahead of him before he ended up leaving. But yeah, for the past few years, no one played professional sports longer actively in Colorado uh, than EJ was a pleasure to cover. Great guy sort of sunk into the background from a media perspective the past couple of years, just being that his role diminished, wasn't wearing the A anymore. Kale McCarr was now kind of the, the star of that blue line. And that's fine. You know, he doesn't have to talk to reporters all the time, but I always appreciated uh, his candor. You know, he scored the the goal that essentially won game six for the abs in the first round. Um, it was the first goal that he scored all year. So uh, some fun EJ storylines, but yeah, for the abs, uh, another guy that I think is smart to move on from just because another team out there is going to value EJ much higher because of the veteran leadership and what he's going to bring on a rebuilding team is where the abs are saying, all right, let's maximize every dollar. Maybe Jack Johnson is now our veteran player, you know, who's a little bit more of a contributor than EJ, uh, you know, and, and he can kind of round out that, that blue line in a way where they don't feel bad uh, when EJ walks. Of course, uh, there's still a lot of those jerseys in the in the stands and 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 fans love that guy. So it, it, it's tough to move on. Uh, but again, I think the timing's right. You know, you show how important he was to the Avs, though, because wasn't he the guy who gave handed the cup to after they won? I yeah, think he was. Right, right. You so, know, him, him and Landeskog really are the two players uh, who led sort of this rebuild out of that miserable yep. 2017 season where the Avs, I think, were, were lowest uh, points in the league. So uh really was essential you know i think his number belongs to be hanging in the rafters someday he's that type of player um and really just a great guy and 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 brought a lot of uh good vibes to that locker room those rafters are going to start getting full with all these yeah, banners no kidding joining, no right? kidding um anyway okay so let's just touch on the draft just a little bit you know a lot of these guys are international players you and i have never seen them play <laughs> right. besides maybe some youtube clips here and there the abs did have two first round picks and they used both of them so, you know, maybe just touch on a little bit of those guys they took in the first round. And they had they had other selections, but the first round mainly. Yeah, to, to me, uh, it was a little surprising that they used both first round picks, thinking that they were pretty close together late in the first round. That, to me, seemed like great trade bait, right? Because they were already picking in that area. But as you saw this draft unfold and so few trades, it was indicative, I think, of the talent pool. I think teams really liked the players who were available and didn't feel like they had to move up to get this, you know, one guy. Connor Bedard, obviously, generational talent. The Avs home opener is against against the Blackhawks. Yep. That just adds to a lot of intrigue. I'm already looking forward to that game. But the Avs went ahead and used their picks on on two players who 
I don't think are going to be realistic contributors this season, but give it two or three years. And, you know, they're first round talents for a reason, you know, Calum Ritchie, uh, he was playing in the Canadian hockey league, the OHL of that league. Uh, and he was uh, number 27 overall. Uh, and he could have gone a lot higher had it not been for a shoulder injury, played with a shoulder injury all year, uh, has still had a point per game, six, two big center, uh, you know, a, a guy who they think could eventually be a, a franchise type player on a, on a top line. Uh, and the abs got him in a spot, you know, that I think is perfect for the first round. You want to get that guy with elite talent, but there's one or two reasons why he he fell, right? You, you take a little bit of a swing. Uh, and then with a couple of picks later, uh, the abs drafted a defenseman, which was to me a little surprising being that they're pretty loaded at that position. But again, I, I think this was a situation where McFarland looked at who was available and took the very best guy. And they found a defenseman, uh, a Russian player, and I'm probably going to butcher his name, uh, <laughs> but Mikhail uh, Galyayev. Um, and, and he's a player who, you know, you don't want to compare anyone to Kale McCarr, but he's an undersized defenseman with unbelievable offensive talent. So perfect for the Avs system, someone they can develop. Uh, you know, with the Eagles uh, in a couple of years, I think he's got to finish out his contract of playing in Russia through maybe 2025. But the abs are OK with that. The, the, the talent is so high and they know they can wait, you know, to, to, to get him into their system when maybe at that point they really need another elite level blue liner. If Bo Byram ends up not being an avalanche guy for life, just being that Kale McCarr is such star power. Um, I think it's a great pick. So, you know, two guys who, you know, they aren't sexy names. They're not college guys that we maybe we know from Michigan or other powerhouses, um, but still players to to get excited about just because the abs don't have a ton of prospects. You know, they, they traded some of those guys away. You must mention Justin Barron. Um, you know, right now, Oscar Olison is, is their top rated guy down with the Eagles. But all of a sudden, they're going to have some real names and, and real guys who are who are playing and developing and and a healthy, you know, NHL team needs that. You know, this this has been a great group, uh, you know, that the Avalanche have built in free agency and trades in recent years. But you got to develop that talent through your own system. And, and this is a good start. Yeah. And real quick before we go, so who are some of the the Avs free agents? You mentioned JT Comfer. Um, you know, Eric Johnson's going to go. Uh, who else? Who else is on that list? Um, so let me just pull up my list here to make sure I've got other guys. Um, uh, Evan Rodriguez, Evan Rodriguez yeah. is, is the other guy on that list. Um, you know, they need to also probably think about re-signing Devontae's. Yeah, that was my, that's what so, I thought right, of. He's a restricted free agent, but those are other guys. Um, Jack Johnson, I believe is also going to be an unrestricted free agent, but I, I see the, the signs of him coming back a little stronger, but, but that's the core group that we mentioned there. Um, you know, JT Comper, I'd expect him, you know, maybe go to the Blackhawks or another team that, that could see him as a top six guy. Um, but for the most part, you know, the, the, the Avs have their guys signed, you know, long-term that they, you know, want to be there. The McKinnons, the McCars, the Rantanons of the world. And they're still just kind of building around the edges. But the the Rodriguez move to me is interesting. Uh, the first half of the year, he was phenomenal. I thought he was one of the best free agent or trade signings um, of the NHL last summer, just based on the playmaking that he was having. But his play really dipped in the second half of the year. And he was among those guys who didn't step up in the playoffs. So 
if they do offer him a contract, I'd expect it to be one or two years and, you know, two to four million, nothing crazy. Almost another prove it deal. Like, okay, like, are you really this guy? Or maybe he thinks, all right, I need a fresh start because I couldn't get it done with the abs this year. And in that case, that frees up cap space for the abs to, to be a little bit more flashier and and their free agent signings. So uh, a lot to for Chris McFarlane to, to work through, but he's definitely not going to take any risks that are going to put the abs in a bad spot down the line. You know, it seems like these leagues never have off seasons anymore. It seems like it's just nonstop yeah, news all crazy. the time. Yeah. It so, is. all right, Kyle, thanks for coming on and talking a little hockey. Uh, you will be on top of free agency this weekend. So look for that at denvergazette.com and we will talk to you again soon. Absolutely. All right, we are back talking NBA and Denver Nuggets, the, the world champion Denver Nuggets. But we're moving on to the offseason already, and I am joined by Vinny Benedetto, who is – are you legally tampering? That's my question. <laughs> uh, always, always tampering. Yeah. Yeah, so NBA free, uh, free agency is upon us. We'll, we'll touch on the draft a little bit too, but uh, free agency starts uh, today, actually. We're recording this before it starts. But uh, And the Nuggets' biggest question, of course, is Bruce Brown. Um Vinny, what have you heard on Bruce Brown and what is your any kind of prediction on Bruce Brown? Yeah, I feel like if if something happens today, it's good for the Nuggets the longer it goes on. I feel like the the worse it probably is going to be for the Nuggets in terms of uh, his future here. Um, and I, I, I just feel like he's probably taking the money and uh, heading elsewhere. Um, I think the the Sacramento bringing back Harrison Barnes was a was good news for Denver, and in, in that Sacramento was one of the the few teams that um, ha- had the cap space to to offer him a big deal and still offer him the the chance to. I don't know if the Kings will be contending, but you know I think they're probably a you know still a playoff team next year. Um, so I think that would that was big for the Nuggets that that the Kings signed Harrison Barnes to that deal. Cause I think that probably takes them out of the Bruce Brown running, but there are, you know, whether it's Dallas or the Lakers or, you know, I saw even the Pacers are kind of a sleeper to get involved. I think there's still uh, a few more teams for the Nuggets to worry about before they feel good about their chances uh, with Bruce coming back. I saw Houston as well. Uh, a guy, I don't know, uh, some somebody from the uh, New York paper said that Houston, Indiana, Dallas, and then probably the Lakers, I guess. I, I think him going to the Lakers will hurt Nuggets fans just a little bit. Yeah, that'd be a tough one. <laughs> um, the fit there is kind of interesting because, like, yeah, Bruce is a Bruce is a pretty good shooter. He's not a great shooter, I wouldn't say. And then you know, with LeBron, you want to surround him with pretty great shooters. I would say more times than not. So. Um, yeah, Lakers. I feel like would be the uh, the most painful for Nuggets fans, but I think we're we're at a point with Bruce where you just kind of gotta. If you're a Nuggets fan, you gotta appreciate what he gave you, and, and you know, not not have any hard feelings. However, however it goes. Yeah, and again, like I think the Lakers can only give him the mid level, right? And then I think it's like twelve four or something. And, there's, and then there's some of those teams, Houston and Indiana. I think can actually give him a big deal, right? Yeah, they could probably offer him like upwards of 15 a year. All right. So, I mean, I think we're pretty close to assuming that he's going to be gone. So, what are the Nuggets turned? What, what's the Nuggets' next step? 
Yeah, I think you gotta you gotta find a ball handler in 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 some fashion. Um, whether that's you know Reggie Jackson, I've heard is a guy who who has a pretty good shot at coming back, especially if Bruce isn't isn't back on the roster. But then there are other guys, you know, Dennis Schroeder's a name that pops up a lot. Um, Chris Dunn, Dennis uh, Dennis Smith Jr. So, I mean, there are guys out there. I think the the tough thing about it is that. You know, if it's not Bruce, Bruce is the best player they're going to, they could, you know, have fill yeah. that role unless somebody takes a serious discount to come to Denver. Um, so, yeah, I think anyone else, you know, any other ball handler they would, they would sign or bring back would be, you know, a tier or two below what Bruce is right now. So that would be uh, tough, you know, for, for Nuggets fans, I think, to, realize that you know if it's not going to be bruce it's it's going to be a player um on on a different level yeah um so you know there's always the trade possibility too but i don't know how much they have the trade anymore because nobody's i don't think anybody celebrated that kcp trade coming last year so there's always like that possibility of them trading but what could they really offer like you know they they used all their draft picks this year. So I don't know, maybe Zeke Naji. I don't know. I mean, it, it, there's the trade possibility is always out there as well. Right. Yeah. And they have a, a trade exception yeah. from the Monte Morris or from the, yeah. Monte and KCP trade last year. Um, but yeah, in terms of guys currently on the roster, Zeke is probably the most likely. And I don't even know what, um, what his, trade value is or what kind of player he nets you so um it's a possibility i don't know how likely i would say that is yeah i mean but again there's no need to worry when the starting five is locked up for two years or whatever it is so you know this is i want i just talked to kyle about the abs like the nuggets even more are filling around the edges team right now because they've got their core five and they're in, they're in pretty good shape when they have the best player in the league so um, let's talk – I just want to ask you kind of about the craziness of the NBA in general before we dive into the draft. You know, the James Harden news happened yesterday where he wants to be traded. We haven't talked. Bradley Beal was traded to the Suns before since we've talked. All these moves by the – I mean, Harden to the Clippers is the strong rumor right now. But all these Western Conference teams making these moves doesn't help them with Denver at all. Who's guarding Nikola Jokic on any of those teams? Yeah, that still remains the <laughs> question. It's like it's like other teams are like, all right, we don't have an answer for Nicola, but we can do this, this, and this. But not having an answer for Nicola still feels like a, a pretty big problem to have. But yeah, it is it has been crazy. And you know, I think it's ultimately good for the league in that, you know, they're not quite the NFL level where, you know, they they capture eyeballs. 365 days a year but feels like they're they're the nba is getting to that level which ultimately is probably a good thing yeah they're, they seem like they're trending that way all right let's talk a little draft uh the nuggets took three guys that are you know experienced college players from pretty big programs i don't know how much those guys play um so what do you see from each of them and do, do any of them get on the court much this year yeah i think uh Jalen Pickett might have a chance, especially if Bruce is back and they struggle to find, um, you know, an established solid point guard in free agency or, um, 
And he's, you know, he's a guy a lot of people have compared to Andre Miller just because he's got some of that un- unorthodox um, back to the basket game from a guard. I think, um, I think his success in the NBA is going to depend on how real his three point shot is at um, Penn State. You know, he had some games where he shot it extremely well, and other times where he um, didn't. So he kind of projects as a little bit of a streaky shooter, and whether or not he can, you know, consistently develop that three point shot, probably, uh, you know, has a pretty strong hold on what kind of NBA player he's going to be. And then Julian Strother is, you know, he's a six foot seven, I think shooting guard is how Calvin referred to him. So he's a big, big guard, uh, can shoot it at a pretty high level, has a little bit of a funky release where it's kind of like a push shot. Um, so I think it's going to be important for him to, you know, at least, um, operate in space or, or, utilize the space the Nuggets offense provides because he's not a guy who's, you know, going to put it on the floor a whole bunch and get to the basket and finish there. So um, he can shoot it though. And, and, you know, the Nuggets offense has an ability to provide space. And then Hunter Tyson's the last guy they picked. And he's kind of a, you know, three point shooting four who rebounds pretty well, but, you know, interesting part is none of these guys I think project is, you know, high level defender. So that's going to be something that is going to take a while maybe to establish trust, especially with Michael Malone, you know, a guy who uh, would prefer his guys defend at a pretty high level. So I think all three of these guys have a, a pretty tough path to, to regular playing time as rookies. Um, yeah, but we'll see how today goes. And, and you know, that could obviously change. Uh, Calvin Booth has definitely had a plan his last two off season, you know, last year was defense, um, some shooting, but mainly the defense. And then this year, it seems like all those guys can shoot it. Uh, I know you talked about uh, Pickett's shot, but those other guys can shoot it. And that's what they're going to need that off the bench at some point, because at times the bench offense definitely struggled. And that's with Bruce Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now they just need somebody to kind of run the show and get some of these guys shots, unless that is going to be Jalen Pickett. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the Nuggets prefer it's it's Bruce running that show, but you know there are other guys out there in free agency who are who are capable. Um, but yeah, yeah, Calvin's plan this this draft was clearly um, established. You know, experienced guys who who shoot the ball at a high level, and all three of those guys also rebound at a pretty high level, at least for their position, uh, and have pretty solid size. So yeah, for second second year in a row, it's pretty easy to see Calvin's plan. What do you think some of those veterans do for the – like Jeff Green, DeAndre-ish, uh, Reggie Jackson? Do you think maybe a couple of those guys are back? Yeah, I would assume so just because it feels like the Nuggets have one roster spot where that will be a non-minimum player, whether that's Bruce Brown or um, if Bruce isn't back, I think they can offer like a $5 million taxpayer mid-level exception. Um, so I think they have one player who's not on a minimum contract. Then the rest, I think, is going to be guys who want to be here and are and are fine playing on the minimum. And I think, you know, each of those guys you listed, uh, you know, enjoyed their time last year, even if the you know they didn't get to play a whole bunch. Um, yeah, you know, guys like Ish and DeAndre and uh, Reggie. So I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those guys return. I don't think there's going to be space for for all of them to return, and and they you know just completely run it back, but. I, I would expect at least a couple of those guys to be back on veteran minimum deals. 
you know, I wasn't in the locker room like you. How important were those? What do they call themselves? Those three guys that they had the T-shirt at the parade. Um, how important were those guys in the locker room? Those three veterans, older guys, or whatever they call themselves. Yeah, I think they're really important. You know, especially for a handful of guys like, you know, I know Michael Porter Jr. went through some stuff on and off the court last year, um, and, and his locker was right next to Jeff Green all season. So I think that kind of stuff is, you know, when you're going through it, um, not shooting well in the finals, I think it helps to have guys like Jeff and DeAndre there to, you know, just share some encouraging words. Um, and then with, you know, some of the other guys, you know, the rookies, obviously, I think it helps to have the established veterans there who have kind of seen everything when it comes to NBA life. Um, and those guys, you know, those guys were the big planners when it, when it comes to getting the team together off the court. So, um, not a lot of, you know, real tangible stuff on the court to say, Hey, these guys are a big part of this, but you know, for everything we saw and heard in the locker room and, you know, just team bonding stuff, those guys were a really big part of it. Well, the, the Jeff Green minutes will definitely have to be replaced if he doesn't come back because he did play valuable minutes in all the playoff games pretty much. So that'll be something they'll have to look to. All right, I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, my last thing is I don't know if you saw the story about LeBron being mad at Michael Malone. Have you have you seen this? Yeah. Yeah. Why? What, what are we doing? Why this? this? I mean, I understand. Like, Nuggets, the Nuggets beating the Lakers was important to Nuggets fans. And apparently it was also very important to Michael Malone. Um, but what, why does LeBron always have to be in the news? <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> and I know you grew up in Cleveland, right? Or in that area. So you have witnessed it as from all levels. Yeah. I grew up a Cleveland fan, not, not in the area, but, uh, yeah, LeBron's, you know, he hears everything, sees everything in the NBA world and he might be a little bit sensitive. So, uh, when Michael Malone joked that he might retire, um, can't remember on whose show or who Pat McAfee. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh you know, I think Michael Malone was just having a a good time and, and maybe too much of a good time because he was, you know, in the in the championship glow, I think. And um was just having some fun at LeBron's expense. And you know, LeBron likes to have fun at other people's expense and not have people uh taking even good hearted shots at him. So uh yeah. Which is funny because they have a relationship from the past. Like Malone coached him, right? In Cleveland. Yeah, for like five years. Um, yeah, that was that was a while ago. That um can't remember if that was I think that was LeBron's first stint in Cleveland. I can't remember exactly, but um Malone had a lot of hair in the picture, so I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um it, but like we've we've talked to you know, Malone has often made the comparisons between LeBron and Nicola, where like you get past the obvious difference in athleticism and they're very similar players. And, you know, I think I would take that as a, you know, a compliment to both players, but maybe LeBron doesn't like uh, being compared to anyone. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, from the outside, it seemed like they, that's been a pretty pot. They've had a pretty positive relationship, maybe. Maybe that spoiled it for a little bit, but I, I don't I don't think it's too big of a deal. All right, Vinny, I know that uh, you'll be monitoring social media and who changes their Instagram bio and whatever else over the next couple of days as NBA free agency gets gets rolling. I mean, I don't think either of us here expect a big move from the Nuggets, even if they, you know, re-signing Bruce Brown would be their biggest move. But, you know, this team's intact and they have a title window and now they're in it. So, Vinny, thanks for coming on and we will make sure to follow you on DenverGazette.com for all Nuggets and NBA news, man.
Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.